Well, time for us to say a very good morning to our guests. Let's say hello and good morning to Barry Wood, RTHK's international economic correspondent. Uh, uh, good morning, Barry. Good morning, James. Uh, nice to have you on the show, as ever, Thursday rather than Wednesday, but here we are. Also say hi and good morning to NCO Von File, wealth investment strategist. Good morning, NCO. Morning, James and Barry. Nice to have you uh, both on the show. Thank you. Um, you know, obviously, we've been watching this week as uh, the price of oil uh, went up and down. And uh, since then, of course, now we've got worries about other things in, in the market as well. Um, let's have a look, first of all, at uh, what we think of um, the current state of the price of gold, perhaps, guys. Barry, we, we see that the gold price has uh, shot up and is now over 2000 dollars uh, an ounce is that an indicator of anything particular in the market some um, people moving to safe havens uh, away from the stock market perhaps yes I, I no doubt about it look it is a reality that uh, gold is over two thousand dollars but i remember in 1980 when there was another kind of financial crisis that the gold price was very nearly two thousand dollars so that's a lot of years and very little change in the gold price. And in fact, it's been much lower. So I wouldn't make too much of it. I think the significant element may be that crypto had been a kind of gold surrogate over the past year or so. And then crypto got into trouble at the end of last year. And now it's recovered. So I, I think you are correct in saying, yes, this is a sign that the financial crisis has caused people to move to a safe haven. Would you agree with that, NGO? Safe havens are, are, are a good place at the moment? Absolutely. I would build on what Barry was saying by adding that perhaps the market subconscious is telling us that the American time, the, the time in America's economy is worsening to an excess demand for money. In other words, that the Fed has really begun tightening on the monetary side, not just raising the price of money, but reducing the amount of money and also the excess supply of goods is beginning to make itself felt through a waning jobs report. So I think, again, it's a flight to safe havens also because of these banking crises that Jamie Dimon, as I'm sure we'll talk about, has been warning will actually only worsen. Yes, I mean, you know, he's saying it's the crisis is definitely not over yet. And, uh, you know, that that doesn't spell uh, good things for the future, does it, Barry? Well, I'm a little bit on the other side of this one, James. Don't forget, this is a kind of replication of the Warren Buffett annual letter to shareholders. So I don't know how many days or even weeks ago this was written. Let's not forget that Jamie Dimon, the most respected of the American commercial bankers, has been in Washington a lot. He has talked to the Treasury Secretary. I'm sure he's talked to Jay Powell at the Fed. And he says that... Um, things could get worse. However, elsewhere in the text is there will be no repeat of 2008-2009 and that the Federal Reserve and other regulators should not overreact and that the crisis is not probably going to get very much worse. Don't forget 2008-9 was a housing-related problem. This is a very more localized thing in the Silicon Valley. 
I guess that um, you know Jamie's Jamie's comments. Uh, you know, probably he wouldn't uh, have released them had he not believed in them as of uh, today. But they do reflect a sort of um, general worry about the markets uh, continuing. Um, UBS, of course, uh, seeking to reassure investors yesterday that its unexpected takeover of Credit Suisse would actually work and actually pay off for shareholders. They seem perhaps that Enzio they're they're pretty optimistic about things. I think so, but. I, again, I, I think that I, I would respectfully differ a little bit with Ray. I think there is a housing crisis in the brewing um, because of the, the sub-banks, the smaller banks who've been lending. The commercial property values have been falling, as we all know. Housing prices are beginning to fall. Rates are rising. Surprise, surprise. Big news, obviously, to everybody who hasn't been listening. And so I think that there is a housing crisis in the brew and I think that the banking crisis is going to deepen into the what Donald Trump kind of ruined a little bit by killing the, 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 the Dodd-Frank bill. In other words, he made only the large banks above $250 billion get regulated and the smaller guys can kind of do in a way what they want, not quite as lackadaisical as that. Um, and also the shadow banks can do what they want. And that's where there's going to be a big mess coming forward, especially apparently, according to The Economist magazine, at least in housing. Uh, property is always... Now, Enzio, don't, don't be uh, too pessimistic. I will agree with <laughs> you that the there economist. is perhaps... <laughs> there is perhaps a problem coming in commercial property. Yeah. I don't see this spreading into the residential sector. Uh, let me ask you this, as a European, ah. you are a European by Thank birth, you. African. what is the connection between the Swiss bank problem with Credit Suisse and the Silicon Valley and, and First Republic? Any connection at all? I think so. I think that it's, it's a basic lack of faith in the banking regulations, Barry, the, the how, well they've been, how well they've been maintained, especially for the smaller banks. In other words, that's kind of the mushy side of the banking equation. With the big banks, perhaps, as ridiculous as it sounds, less of a concern because it's out in the open, but we don't know about those hidden depths where the moray eels are in the smaller banking sector and in the shadow banking sector. So I think there is a an indirect relationship, but a very real one. More eels in the banking sector. An interesting uh, analogy there. Welcome uh, to Wall Street. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, inf you know, inflation is at the uh, uh, the core of the worries of of many people, and uh, not least uh, uh, the Fed as it tries to control it. But there seem to be lots of different things pushing inflation. Reflation. Mm. Greedflation is what you're calling it, isn't it? Well, it's. I'm not. The, I, I will confess. It's. It's a ter term coined by Anne Sylvain Chassani, of another European, um, in the in the FT this time, Barry, not the Economist, so we can't hide. And um, but it's basically <laughs> that um, the corporates have been using a lot. They've been recording record margins and earnings. Um, even though we've had all these supply side, these supply side bottlenecks, and corporate profits have urged margins have reached record highs, and then there's also something called excuse inflation when companies with very large market power can just kind of push up the prices whether they whether they're justified or not. We see this in Hong Kong, of course, with the skyrocketing food prices. We certainly do, don't we? It's uh, it's really uh, shown itself at the moment. Great for weight loss. <laughs> and um, then sharply higher electricity costs, again, going way above, in my mind, the 
um, the the actual rise in the costs of coal and especially of oil. So I think that there is a lot of greedflation going on. We'd also called it catch-up inflation in earlier in earlier sightings with, with I suppose with the point is that it's yeah. a bit more difficult for the Fed to control that kind of thing, right? Absolutely, and that's why if you're just stuck with the monetarist blinkered too much money chasing too few goods, I think the inflation, and the, that's the implication, is going to be here a lot longer than we think. It's currently at about 6%. It's supposed to be at 2%, and that's just going to take an awful long time to 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 wind its way out of the system. Are you feeling those vibes? Yeah, you're, look, you're, you're right. However, however, inflation is on the downtrend yes. in the United States, in Canada, and in the European Union. Mm. That's a good sign. Yes, it's 6, to, 6%, but it was 9 And yes. I don't think that... I know there are many forecasts that say inflation will stay high. That may be, mm. but I don't think it's going to get any worse. No, I no, I, I would agree with that. I think that it's it's on the way down, but I, there's a certain there's a supply side side of the equation that just ain't going to go away. Is that that's all that I'm suggesting, and that, I think that's it's it's never going to reach that two percent on the pers personal capital expenditures index, which is what the Fed tracks, of course. Uh, here in Hong Quite Kong, right. here in Hong Kong, um, the uh, Hong Kong dollar on, under a little mm. bit of pressure at the moment. Enzio, the uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority bought seven billion dollars of U.S. dollars earlier this week to uh, protect the peg, um, and that's because, of course, those interest rate rises haven't necessarily been reflected here in Hong Kong, have they? Absolutely, the rates in in America are. Actually, 4.9% at present on the, on the one-month interbank rates. That was according to yesterday's FT. And in Hong Kong, they're hovering around 3%. This means that you're getting 2% more on American money than on Hong Kong money. And that's what they call a carry trade. In other words, use Hong Kong dollars, cheap Hong Kong dollars, to finance higher-yielding U.S. assets. That, of course, has driven down the Hong Kong dollar to the lower end of the band, to 7.85, and the, the the monetary authority quite correctly has come in and scooped up a lot of um, Hong Kong a lot of U.S. dollars to try and to, to Hong Kong dollars to try and support that um, that exchange rate from weakening too much. Um, so I think it's but it still has reserves of 4.25 trillion. The peg is just fine, but it's it's worth at least pointing out that we've not raised our rates sufficiently to try and keep the peg from softening. So not a problem yet? Not a problem. No, I don't think there will be a problem because the government here knows, as John Greenwood pointed out many, many years ago in an excellent article, that every time Hong Kong has gone off the peg, it has gone down to the verge to the area of moray eels. And I think that that's not going to happen again. Well, there we are. Let's uh, let's see what does happen. Thank you very much to Enzio von Feil, a wealth investment strategist, and Barry Wood, our RTHK international economics correspondent in Washington. Uh, still to